you know, I you, feel you know like, I mean? like there's she, some good like meta analysis of that whole situation mm-hmm. because it's both looking at like women being ashamed of their sexuality and she's kind of like this this thing that you can kind of like say, well, she's representative of that shame, not only of writing erotica and and sexual literature, but also like, you know, it, being ashamed of being sexual in the first place. Okay, welcome to Smooth Friends. This is a uh, a morning edition. Morning, bright and early. This is our second episode of our beach weekend. Uh, and we decided no better way to celebrate our, I would normally say book here, but we chose a documentary. Right. Um, no better way to celebrate this documentary than by drinking mimosas around a table just after breakfast, just as many of the authors would do in this documentary. Yeah, what an erotica reader trope oh for my God. us to sit around drinking our mimosas, sipping Chatting with the girls. Chatting with the girls. Yay. Uh, yeah. So our producer brought this um, this this documentary in, to our awareness, uh, and and I was pretty much immediately hooked, and was like, we have to <laughs> we have to yeah. talk about this. And as a concept, going into like meta narratives about okay, well, like zooming out, not just the naughty books that we read, but like okay, so what about the ecosystem that naughty books are created in? Exactly. So, Specifically, those who are self-published mm-hmm. um, yeah. and their lives, and how that, uh, how them as writers, how that affects their lives, how they feel about the industry as a whole, too. So you got like feelings on like everyone's thoughts. So which were mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Can I tell you guys a secret? Yeah, I watched this documentary about smut books at work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love the subversion. Also, knowing that you're very brave. <laughs> I can't even listen to this podcast at work. I don't want to get caught. I do also listen to our podcast at work. Right, this same. is what earbuds are for. Um, and then you just have to flip your phone over so nobody sees the smut with friends. I know. On your phone. <laughs> My apologies for creating such a like visible high vis traffic. <laughs> Very specific yeah, like logo. Graphic. <laughs> But it was a great uh, documentary to watch. It kind of opened my eyes to a lot of those pieces just as a consumer I wasn't aware of. I thought yeah. the whoever did the documentary did a great job focusing on these three women. Uh, there Obviously, we have criticisms about it. But at the same time, I did think it was interesting how they presented the information. Or because it's actually not just three women. There's a few other yeah. uh, writers yeah. as well. But they focused on three women. Primarily, yeah. yeah. And so I don't think we've said it quite yet, but oh, yeah. what we're what we're watching, what we're talking about is uh, this documentary, Naughty Books. You can find it on Hulu. You can watch it before or after listening to this podcast. It's not going to matter. There are a few uh, a few content warnings. So uh-huh. I'm going to toss to Mila for those. Mila, Mila, how did I forget? Out of nowhere. I'm so I'm sorry. I'm pretty offended. That's not you my name. You should absolutely be offended. That's not my name. Um... Mila here. Uh, so Sweet Tea helped me a little bit remembering some of the trigger warnings because it has been a while since we watched this collectively. I think uh, AJ and I watched it um, together several months ago. We all three oh, did. oh, we three were together. Yeah, oh, we that's were all, right. Okay. You don't remember me. It was a <laughs> big hole in my memory here. Um, so it really doesn't have a narrative arc and there's not a ton of specific trigger warnings for the topics other than they do touch on the topics of some of the romance novels which includes some dubious consent and some non-consent. Uh, there's a little bit of discussion of, you know, concepts of, of 
rape scenes in their books and a couple of passages are highlighted that are a little bit problematic. Um, well, they, they do go into like sexual assault survivors. Yeah. Yes. Um, they talk about the real connection stuff. to like these erotica novels. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Which can be really triggering um, if that's something that you're going through. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Certainly there are women in this documentary who talk directly about their experiences with domestic abuse yes. and, and the PTSD that they Mm-hmm. They have around that. Um, and you definitely mm-hmm. observe some, I think, emotionally abusive relationships yes. play out both romantically mm-hmm. and and kind of familial relationships in the, yes. in the documentary. So, you know, just just to watch out, it's it's not always portraying the best sides of these kind of relationships and these situations and these jobs. Yeah. So the bulk of the documentary is to is meant to explain why in God's name there are so many erotica and smut books out there, like how that happened and what has changed in the last 10 years. And the big shift um, has in this documentary came out in 2020. So pre-COVID and I'm sure COVID has just escalated this, mm-hmm. right? The big shift has been from traditional publishing where you go out, you pitch your book to agents and publishers and somebody fights for you on the floor of an editorial boardroom. You get chosen and then elevated. Chosen, uh, chosen, advertised, elevated, and then chosen again. And then you go to marketing and it takes two years to print your book. And then it goes out to Barnes & Noble and it takes up shelf space and people buy it. Yeah. And importantly for this particular subject, you buy a naughty book at a bookstore. Everyone can see you reading it. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone can see that you have Fifty Shades of Grey right. on public transit, if if that's what your choice is. And 10 years ago, that's exactly what most people's choices were, because indie fiction and ebooks were still on the rise up. Right? That's what I'm going to do today on the beach. I'm going to bring that Aramis book that you brought me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read some steamy porn It's going to be obvious because there's literally yes. just a man with yeah. just a chest. It's just a yes. chest. <laughs> and that was what it used to be, was those ridiculous Fabio covers. Back in my day. Yes, back in the day. And you'd see them at the grocery store. The bottle strippers. The oil Ridiculously, yes. like, covers on them. Yeah. Oh, everyone yeah. knew. Everyone yeah. knew. Everybody knew. And therefore, a lot of people ran away from it because they didn't want to be associated in their family mm-hmm. or with the public. Um, I mean, women wouldn't want to admit that they were reading this stuff because it felt like porn. And well, that there's this like there's a deeper shame about sex in our society, but specifically shame for women about being sexual creatures. Yeah. That is a weird topic to broach in American society. And we're starting to, you know, veer on this female empowerment kind of wave, which probably ties into why more women are willing to admit and be open about reading and writing these erotica novels. Well, that is that women are interested in sex. We are. They always have been. It's just that now we're starting to talk about it. And we're not fully of an kind of inclusive and welcoming society. No, absolutely not. Like we still are very discriminatory towards sex workers and other individuals that, you know, are part of that, that it, you know, embrace Mm -hmm. certain aspects of sex culture. And we really do need to work to be more inclusive about that. And also, more diverse in our approach to and sexuality. And this documentary was not necessarily inclusive. No. Exactly. No. Not at all. And there's a reason our language thus far has been very specifically female-oriented, yeah. only because that we're, mir- we're mimicking 
yeah. the language of the documentary. It's, it's very cis. It's very white. It's very hetero. It's very, you know, it's a very small slice of kind of a dominant subculture of mm-hmm. erotic literature. And it was a little frustrating for those of us who were looking for more diversity. Well, well and purely it's, just like on a LGBT yeah. perspective, because yeah. most of these writers do very standard uh, straight yeah, so not only, not only were the subjects non-diverse, what they wrote was also non-diverse. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So the the art of the documentary is to explain this shift from, from publishing on the shelf to publishing in ebook form. And all of the books that have previously been written on that publishing on the shelf, or many of them, large quantity of things in the genre are by women for, for women, and that's kind of... The point. Yeah. So we get the yeah. shift away from from by by cis women for cis women. Exactly. Specific. Exactly. Yeah. So um, and the label's not even that yeah organized right yeah, at no, this time period. This is my point. So we have this shift from publishing to self publishing online. Instead, it used to be called like vanity publishing, and now it's not anymore. Like in 2022, it's there's no shame in self-publishing, right? right, right, right. But because of the work of people who went online and decided that they were going to put themselves out there on the internet. So a lot of these women in this documentary did that, following the same model to a certain extent by women for women, right? So these early books kind of just mimic the romance genre from before and and make it sexier because suddenly people don't have to expose themselves right. as reading any of this stuff. They or can to a publisher, like mm-hmm. lay themselves bare with, here's the smut that I'm writing. Can and you publish it? One thing too, just because this is coming from the back of my memory, is that one of the girls talks about how she only got into it, it was because she saw the success of Fifty Shades of Grey. And so on the wave of that, she wrote her own uh, romance novel. Mm-hmm. But she was already a writer. But that's, you know... I would say Fifty Shades of Grey was a little bit of that turning point a little bit too. It was for yeah, a lot of authors yes. because it, it did so well. And if it yes. was like, I can do better sex scenes than this. And, and you really could. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, I can do this and I can make a bunch of money. And the documentary follows people who, um, for the primary people who made a bunch of money off of this. Yes. Yes. And self-publishing did hit a sort of point of diminishing returns. It's not mm-hmm. and they, they, oversaturation. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. just so much text available now so in much. all kinds it's of media. It's hard to stay relevant because of the oversaturation in the market. Well, hard to the, advertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, that is a topic of the documentary is short attention spans, oversaturation. How is that changing what these authors are doing? Yes. Because some of them, they're just, they mentioned they have to produce an entire book. In like two months. Every couple of months or else people will forget them. Yes. It's fascinating. Actually, it's very fascinating. So the the director of the uh, documentary, I think her name is, oh, Austin uh, Rackless? R-A-C-H-L-I-S. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Rackless. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry if we got it wrong. We, we really do. Apologize. I think she did a great job in it of like who, she, this was a great teaser into the erotic genre. It may not have been diverse, but it was a first teaser of like honestly what most people think. Of yeah. Yes. With romance. If you are not already reading erotica, you know nothing about this. Isn't that a terrible entry point to here's the subject matter. Here's, here's people what talking people about. Do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this here's is how popular process. it is. This is like, no, you're not alone if you're interested in yeah, reading some of this stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And then also, here's the dark side yeah, that yes. comes into play for these authors. Yes. 
So, and then the <laughs> some of the authors are Katie Main, um, C.J. Roberts, Aisha uh, Tyler, and then Laurelin Laurelin Page, and I think there's another person. They had several yeah, they women. Had- it was like seven or eight women, and they. Primarily focused on three. Yes, yeah. yes. There were kind of three quote-unquote main characters mm-hmm. in this documentary. And those are the ones that, I, from my understanding, they did the well. So, like, C.J. Roberts is a big name within the uh, mm-hmm. self-publishing world, from my understanding. I haven't read any of her books. Yeah. Uh, for my, She writes a lot of dark erotica, and then much more on the taboo nature. Uh, Katie Maine was one of the people who kind of got, to, who was a, a young mm-hmm. adult writer who then decided to um, pick up uh, on the the Fifty Shades of uh, Grey movement, tr- yeah, yeah, movement, and then uh, Aisha Taylor. I didn't remember Tyler. Really. Tyler. I think she had much more just general romance. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what she wrote. I couldn't even find her. And Laurelin Page, I think, was another big one because they kind of went into like her husband's perspective on that side. Woo, fragile masculinity. There was a lot of dollars. Yeah, caught up in this like in these stories, and 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 we're talking. It, what like spoiler alert? I guess one of these authors ends up. The last tagline um, is she got her wish to go sign books next to Nora Roberts, mm-hmm. Ooh, which is a big fat deal. Yeah, like, Nora Roberts is big time. <clears throat> He's one of the most prolific authors of this like lifetime. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Over five hundred books in multiple genres. You and I have worked in a bookstore. We know that. We know it is hard. <laughs> it is hard to stuff the shelf when you get a lot of. Oh Nora my gosh, Roberts Do you Nora Roberts that? and yeah. Nicholas Sparks for my sexual awakening in high school. <laughs> <laughs> And the interesting thing, I, this is kind of an aside, but I am reading a Nora Roberts book right now for the first time, and she's trying to pivot towards diversity at this oh. particular moment. So this book that I'm reading now is is fantasy, which is a shift for her, I, I believe, mm-hmm. um, away from her J.D. Robb pseudonym and yeah. away from her Nora Roberts standard romance fair. Uh, this is a dragon story, and it opens with a woman who is in a community of drag queens. Oh, okay. And, and continues in... In the story, and I haven't learned all about it yet, but she's working. She's working to shift toward diversity <laughs> under the like traditional publishing model, which is tough to do yeah. because you don't know the language two years out from when you write the text. Yeah, which is usually yeah. how long it takes to produce a book. Yeah, yeah. The advantage that women who or people in general who self-publish um, is that you can stay much quicker. You're you're, you're you can be you responsive can to trends and respond to trends. So part of the neat aspect of of what's happened with erotica and self-publishing since these women sort of started this shoot up towards like millions of dollars millions of dollar paydays right is that we have been able to shift out into all of these little categories so there's something for every kink there's something for every identity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can access whatever you want or need to that can be really healthy and it came out in part of some of the the work yeah because you're no longer being blocked or judged or gatekept by kind of a white, cis, hetero, male perspective that is the typical publishing industry, honestly. Yes. So, I mean, there's some positives to that. And one of our authors, uh, which one was it? Katie was not if thrilled with writing. Yeah. These books. So she's writing them. She's making oh, money. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And as a consumer of smut books, it was kind of just disrespectful 
to hear yeah, she does a someone producing she, these and yeah. just trashing on it. Well, yeah, so she's not a reader of the romance genre. She saw basically that what happened with Fifty Shades. The money. The she money. saw the money. She saw the money. So, yeah, yeah she's a struggling uh, young adult writer, mm-hmm. sees kind of this trend, makes writes the book, and then she goes, shit, I made a yeah. shit ton of money just from this book. So she makes another one. and But she does not like the genre yeah. at all. She's she, like, this isn't real writing. Yeah, yeah, I well, want to be a real writer. And I, again. I feel bad for her because there's obviously a lot of like self shame involved, mm-hmm. and we all felt that watching the documentary. It was like, oh, I feel kind of bad for you I because not only feel that. I mean, not only does she have these like shame feelings about herself, but she's being like told by everybody around her that you should not be proud of what you're doing. That you know what you're what you're her doing. Community, is, yeah. yeah, her community, her yeah, family, everybody right. that knows what she's doing her, is kind of. Her mother, I think, yeah, is her highlighted her, her, yeah, yeah, her other right. family members I just forgot. really kind of tear her confidence down. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, as as a creative, like I get it, a lot of your confidence is kind of built by the people around you and their perception of your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I I felt bad about that because I could I could see that. Yeah. And she hated she hated the fact that she was writing romance songs yeah. because of the point that she's like she's trying to she's trying to stay relevant. She's like I have to write another book, but I have no care to write anything mm-hmm. and i just I don't have don't. any inspiration i don't have any drive I, do, I feel embarrassed about doing this i don't like this subject matter yeah i'm just basically uh i think she was even the one that said that like i have like a few rules like i know i just need to do this this and this mm-hmm. and that's just you make a book whatever like not much to to it um but yeah i don't know it, yeah it, yeah she has a lot of shame but i also in the back of my mind, I also wonder that she's also just not a person this is for in general. Like, she shouldn't be writing this and she mm-hmm. shouldn't try or, like, she should write something she's interested in. Maybe she needs to, if anything, explore the thing, other things that she may find more interesting with writing and maybe in romance. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I you, feel you know like, I mean? like there's she, some good, like, meta analysis of that whole situation mm-hmm. because it's both looking at like women being ashamed of their sexuality and she's kind of like this this thing that you can kind of like say well she's representative of that shame not only of writing erotica and and sexual literature but also like you know it, being ashamed of being sexual in the first place and there's like this missing genre that she could fit in with like a, we just need a little bit older than young adult like middle young adult right yeah. because that that age of like mid-20s and later 20s and 30s and whatnot i don't want to read young adult books i yeah. hate reading it they're teenagers. so stupid yeah they're teenagers i they, also hate they teenage kids, love. like i hate yes. teenage love when reading books <laughs> so this is why okay, we're being discriminatory now i know ready player one you know what the love's <laughs> worse i hated the couple move on so but it's where we see like a court of thorns and roses gaining oh, yeah. popularities because we got and like a novel with a sprinkling of sex. Like there's the way to do it where yeah. she can still have that young adult feel to it, but with that little bit more of an adult thing. Like an acceptance yeah. of some sexuality yeah. in your Exactly. Plot. Like what is your writing style? Don't just, cause she talked about how like reading some of the books, she's like, you just have to put like sex here, dominant man, this mm-hmm. and that. And that was like, she just had rules to it that she just had to produce based off those rules rather than, yeah, yeah, she had interest in books. Why didn't she just like write the book she wanted? And if she knew that the more explicit scenes helped it in a sense, then you can pepper it in. Pepper it in. And you can, 
if she already had a following, they probably would love that even more. Because those young adult readers are growing up and they want just a little bit more something. I'm an adult. We fuck. That's okay. When when you're hurting mentally over like your creative craft, it's hard to be creative. Yes. Right. So like she was certainly interesting enough. She writes about young adults. So people who don't act so much on their, Mm -hmm. uh, Sexual, sexual needs, needs. like mm-hmm. a lot of young, well not all actually that's a lie a lot of young adults <laughs> have like sexual expression but like a lot of young adults uh don't go into too much sexual expression at yeah. all it's just more of a there's variety there a little more eye longing yeah, and some yeah. light touching yeah. the, you know so but blushing. yeah so yeah <laughs> it's holding. interesting yeah. it's interesting and so is she the one that wrote a really like naughty book that yeah. didn't get published at the end well like, and it, it Went to um, uh, what's the thing? K something. She submitted it to Amazon, and she was like, "This is oh, the the worst book I've ever written. Toughest subject matter, all this stuff." And sure enough, she kind of self sabotaged, yeah. and it, yeah. it didn't. It did not pass the guideline check for yeah. what Amazon will publish. So, and then she was like, "I'm kind of happy about it." Yeah, really yeah. Like she was book. like, "I'm so glad she I got relieved. turned down." She was absolutely. She needed. Relieved. She needed something else to tell her it's okay to like not. But mm-hmm. yeah, she was self sabotaging herself like the whole time. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Now I will say I did try to Google Katie May and I could not find any books on her. So I don't know if she I'm, also kind of in, like deleted all of her yeah content. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. She, I mean, that's fine. As a creative, you can control that. Yeah. You can control your creative content access yeah. if you want to. Like, so. don't don't feel bad if that's the thing you need to do either. Yeah. So I'm just curious, actually, now as to what her thoughts were then after the documentary came out. How I guess maybe she could see herself of like, oh, you know, I do hate this. Why do I even bother with this? Yeah. I've done what I could. I just need to leave it. Yeah. So, yeah, which probably was for the best for her. And yeah. on the flip side into like the self-publishing aspect, I did find, and this is information on tiktok so i didn't look into it any further <laughs> but i was very curious with from the, internet. <laughs> the unlimited how authors are making money oh yeah, yeah I and saw that so too. like versus purchasing the book yeah. and um from what i had seen on there is authors get paid per page mm-hmm. that you're reading so they can make more of an income with the unlimited than they can with you purchasing the like four dollar book yeah 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 because that's, that's a one-time cash infusion mm-hmm. versus yes. like a multi like you get a couple of cents per page yes. and that starts to add up a lot. Mm-hmm. Which I appreciated having that knowledge just to make sure that I was being able to support yeah. the writer. Yes. Makes me feel even better because I'll go back and forth. I'm like, what? Did I understand that? Whenever <laughs> I I read books for on Kindle Limited. I uh, hope Sweet Tea is really giving you a cash infusion for the month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. But yeah, it was... Uh, it was good to see that because I was like, good, good. I'm glad mm-hmm. to see that the Kindle Unlimited is not just like too much. I mean, I don't know how much they would get purely like on a normal publishing base, but yeah. at least. It's oh, no. I mean, you, with traditional publishing, typically you get an advance of some kind and then you don't make any money again until your books sell many enough copies. to yeah. make back the advance. And basically, unless you hit a big, a, a big Mile drop, yeah. uh, like Fifty Shades of Grey or something that does really well, hits some bestseller lists and places and stuff like that. Most authors just never make anything yeah. other than that advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're lucky if they get a decent enough advance. They're lucky to get published at all. And mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with the quality of writing. I mean, the, the reality is the reason it is so tough to get published now 
is quantity. And the reason so many people like Ernest Hemingway or whatever, like we have all these books from, from old, like those books are not necessarily that good. It's just that there weren't that many people trying to get published compared to now. The competition was not as high. Right. Well, you had a lot of populations, let's just be honest, that were not allowed to publish. Exactly. We also had a lot less it population. Like, it's true. A lot less population, <laughs> less access to materials. To be able to okay, yes. Nobody yeah. contribute to population increase. Let's stop right now. <laughs> it's no. too late for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you could only be like a, a white male and most of them were straight to publish. Not, I like mean, unless you had a pseudonym of yeah. a male name, like yeah. George Eliot and others, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there are there is women's fiction that goes back to Jane Austen being yeah. a prime example. The point is, Ernest Hemingway is not necessarily so great. Like people beat him out. <laughs> you like, heard it here first, folks. This podcast is criticizing is, Ernest Hemingway. It's fine. <laughs> what, other, like, what other things can we just dig into? I've already got into Ready Player One. Catcher in the Rye is not that great. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not that it's great fiction. It's just what we have that was popular at the time, which has much more to do with like marketing, availability, money, and networking. Marketing. So this is a safe space to say Fifty Shades was not good, right? It was not. (laughs) But we have to save it for another episode, Jewel. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll be back. Oh my god! Never read nor watch the movies. Oh, we have We have opinions. We have to do it. We have a lot of opinions. It would be. So anyway. So we also kind of went into like Laura Lynn Page and her husband's perspective. Um, he was having a really hard time with how much money she was making. Oh, yes. boo-hoo. Yes. I, I, keep on, I keep on thinking it was supposed to be Aisha Taylor. What, uh, that was supposed to be that, but you're saying it's Lauren I Page. looked it up. Oh, yes. okay. Oh, okay. I got confirmation okay, from okay, the okay. internet, which is 100% the truth. Yes, yes. <laughs> All yes, the definitely. time. Are they the ones that ended up separating? Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. But to uh, the narrative. She was doing really, really well yeah. as well. And yeah, she has a quite a large... Uh, uh, catalog books that you can still find today um, but uh, it was interesting that her husband did not like what she wrote did not feel comfortable with mm-hmm. her expressing right. that she wrote that she felt very comfortable with it and didn't have any issues but she sort of in his face too in his face like right. yeah you, you kind of saw like the tension between yeah. them and the well, can't, like, I'm they just gonna do this right yeah and he's like must you like I hate this because <laughs> she's like also like well then what the fuck are you gonna do to supplement this income we're already right. mm-hmm. doing well now right now with right. these like, why do you books. have a problem with this yeah like which, why do you have a problem with this? I mean, I mean, well, and we're from a very privileged class of women that like, because we are, but yeah, you know, and so for us, that's, that's not been a problem with like our partners, mm-hmm. but you know, it's more common that, than I think we experience. Also, which is unfortunate. all these women are like a generation above us. Yes. That's true. They're like true. Gen X. They're Gen X. Gen X. To, well, I think one of them's a boomer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. So, but uh, yeah, but like, so, but they're older generation uh, than us. So like I couldn't imagine like some of the things that like my parents would be comfortable with doing or saying or like, this is your mom writing smut. Yeah. Like my, I have like two dads and as much as they are like very like pro, uh, girls and daughters, whatever. Yeah, empowerment. They, empowerment of women. They say stupid things all the time. Yes. Yep. You know what I mean? Just because yes. it's, yeah, but him making comments and him just not even accepting that or willing to work with her led to the relationship to separate. But he seemed like pretty abusive. He was depressed and yeah. he was emotionally abusive yeah. to her too. Yeah. It's uh, it's really true. And you can yeah. be depressed and be emotionally abusive to your partner. That is a thing. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause it just kind of turns into that. Yeah. yeah it's, it I don't know yeah. how to deal with these feelings. I'm going to lash out at the one I think is causing these. Feelings. Yeah. Not that there's experience within this group of like that kind of a situation, <laughs> but uh, it's all of the content warnings. Oh man. <laughs> so the, the interesting thing that ties a lot of these authors together is the fact that their partners did not really support them yeah their community in general didn't really support them yeah surprisingly that was kind of a narrative through line i think the one that had the best supporting community was cj roberts yes because she had her agent the one that bounced with the husband like yeah she would run through kind of ideas for the book with Mm -hmm. her husband wasn't that her second husband though she had yeah she yeah 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 she had a horrific partner yeah she did this helped her get out yeah, it re- made her realize her- things about I like these things. Mm-hmm. This is who I am, but this person that I'm with is not supporting. And I think who she came from a very religious background too, from my memory. She might have. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember, yeah. but that's based off terrible memory. But yeah, <laughs> and she's also the one that wrote the dark erotica with the, like taboo twist. So she was much yes. more on the dubious consent level. Okay, um, yeah, a little bit kinky, a little bit dubious consent, a, a little a lot bit, more yeah. dubious consent. I yeah. think she's the one that said, like, yeah, I have much more darker themes. If you don't feel comfortable with them, mm-hmm. don't read them. Yeah, like, that's simple fair. as that. That's like, fair. Just like, I'm going to write these things. This is how I express myself. Yeah. I yeah. understand it's going to be trigger for people, and I don't want to force people to, but this is what I will be writing. So, And they kind of went in during the documentary on, like, I, I mean, I did not agree with this, but whatever. Um, sex, like being a victim of sexual assault oh, and yeah. finding like comfort within these dark erotica, dubious consent yeah. books. Like the, the victims of domestic violence or sexual assault, mm-hmm. this is how they process. And it, yeah. it's just a little bit of a very heavy subject to tackle very lightly in this documentary. Please, if you're going through this, Counseling is okay. Getting your counseling through dark erotica is not the answer. It no. is It is something that can be done. It, is. Absolutely. it can help. It can support kink can heal. However, right. it should not be the primary. It should method not be the primary. Of no. processing and healing. No. And they mention that one of these authors, I can't remember who, but was having these victims of sexual assault reach out to her about how much they loved the novels that she was producing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, and part of this is like good psychological research. I don't, I mean, I saw The Body Keeps the Score on oh, the yeah. floor of Target yesterday, right? This is trauma and mm-hmm. healing through the body is is a really, it's in the zeitgeist. And, and that's, that's, tr- and that is working itself out through these mm-hmm. dark stories. It's, when you embody something negative that happened to you in a safe space and you relive it and you can get out of it or react against it. Like there is trauma theory to support that actually Mm -hmm. healing the cells of your body and moving you through that. So that's, that's what this is pointing to through the book. They're creating a safe space for this, for these people who've been abused to interact with. Yes. But they they just touch on it. And then they kind of move on. They don't yeah. give you that. And so, you know, it's as someone who comes from this, you know, social background of you yeah. know, counseling. This is your professional we, expertise. We also need to make sure this is not our sole focus right. of healing after events like this. One thing I thought was interesting, I honestly wish they went more into it because they also mentioned the fact that what does really well for self-publishing is dubious consent mm-hmm. or very aggressive male leads. And I personally don't like that. Yeah. But... Yeah. Honestly, it is 
it's kind of true because you often find a very dominant male. Is that because I, I always wonder, is it just because a lot of people write about it and that's what made it popular or is Ooh. it really popular? Yes. And like almost nature versus nurture. Yeah. Like, like, what, like what, chicken yeah. and the egg. Like yeah, which yeah. one is influencing the other? Exactly. Exactly. Like, so if people did less of that, would, and would there just, be less? Like if culture depicted that less often, would there be less of that representation of like dominant male? Yeah. Kind of? And I don't know. I mean, yeah. obviously we're very split. But then we got two yeah. over here on the side of the table that want a dominant that. male. Okay. But here's a good other example of that. The U.S. is one of two countries in the world that sexualizes uh, nipples Uh to the extent that we do, right? It's not common across the entire world for men to be focused on breasts as a sexual man, whoever to be focused on breasts right, as for sexual that to be, object. Yeah, for that it's, to be, like, the most sexual part of a woman. Yeah, I know. It's the way you feed a child, like, in, right. in most cultures around and, the world. And yeah. everyone has nipples. And everyone Literally. has nipples. It's, like, not a big okay, deal. Okay, like, 99.9. I mean, it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, that is exactly. true. This true. is exactly it. Why did this happen in the U.S. Yeah. or U.S. adjacent cultures or whatever? Yes. What happened to, to create this? I couldn't tell you. I have yeah, another yeah. research. But uh, yeah, but I mean, is it the same for dominant men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that? That's what, that's I, what I always wonder. And they talk about it a little bit that a lot of them typically write a book at least once or a few times about a much more dominant man because they know it sells really well, or like mm-hmm. a dub. Yeah, well, and thing, sweet tea, you yeah. and I have commented on yeah, you and I have commented that it's that's not our favorite trope. No, and it is it can be a little bit like oh, we encounter it again in another book we're reading. Okay, well, mm-hmm. I've checked out a little bit. That's not what I'm here for. I mean, I can get past it, like because it's so common. I can yeah. get past it, but it's not my favorite thing. It's not what I I'm going to go seek honestly, out on my own. Priest was like the highest level of dominant that I would appreciate which is mild very mild very mild he wasn't <laughs> oh, even that dominant no, at all as a, like a character sweet she had her own like subtext of the priest within that to make it all okay <laughs> the right. funny part about it i right. truly like the fact that he was being shame he felt shame which is right. a much more not a dom yes yes <laughs> so you were like i was the dom in this situation right. <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't gonna say it Another book to read is something more female oriented, like female dom oriented. We've only we've only had one brief glimpse of that in a Mm -hmm. very, very short novella that we read on one of the previous podcasts. And we liked it. In general, honestly, that was one of the most positive reviews we've all had. So Viking Dungeon sex scene. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. That was really good. (laughs) But that was not the focus of the documentary, because like we said, very typical. Hetero. Very, very dominant culture, very mm-hmm. dominant culture, or yeah, like dominant identities yes. represented it and yeah. nothing else. Yeah. But well, the other thing about this as well, you kind of mentioned mm-hmm. it, it's straight. It's typically straight. Yeah. Not too much LGBTQ yes. uh, involvement within these stories or writing, or at least not that I know of. I have not read any of these ladies' books, but from what we saw and was expressed in the documentary, we weren't picking up in any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one thing that was. I, wish we could have got more into however i still do think this doctor did a good job of first glimpse yeah this would have been better if this was like a series of yeah like just going yes. through yeah different yeah writers. so you go into like so yeah we have like much more standard and then it goes into like 
what about the monster fucking ladies? Right. Like, I want to know about how these writers wrote books yeah. and, like, how they feel about it. Because this documentary was like, only an hour yeah. and 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And then what about the men who write in the... Yeah, absolutely. Erotic well, and there should be there should be acknowledgement that cis straight white women are not necessarily all the trailblazers in both, like, sex work, sex representation, yeah. and also sex writing. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's so much different sex writings out there. And then yes. there's still so much... Like, I have, like... I want to read everything. So I even want to read a heterosexual male own erotic version that is yeah uh, focused towards men like i will even read that that is me it's not going to be something anyone that's going to be interested probably no, 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 but table. it would be, well it would be interesting <laughs> to see you would we probably wrote yes the book, but yes. it's because it's not meant for us but i want to know mm-hmm. what it's going to be about absolutely exactly I, lots I'm of perky nipples <laughs> probably <laughs> if i see one more perky tits in a book, <laughs> i immediately close again but, but yeah. are the tits moving by themselves that's <laughs> always the question do they have their own system of gravity <laughs> tit dynamics man. oh my god yes. are are they perky? Are they headlights? Yes. Are they oh facing yeah. the same direction? <laughs> but, you know, this is honestly, Naughty Books would be a great documentary series. Yeah. yeah. Different yeah. types of women, writers, persons that who mm-hmm. write in their romantic genre. And, so, and this mimics the whole setup, the whole problem. This is very meta. So Hulu decides that they want to do this documentary. Mm. Hulu chooses yeah. to start this documentary two years ahead of whatever. Did Hulu years. or did Hulu not buy? I don't know. Case, whatever yeah. the case is, like yeah. this starts a friend doing a documentary ahead. and they're pitching right now to a bunch of companies. So it's yes. mimicking mm-hmm. traditional publishing. Exactly. Ooh, yeah, that's oh, exactly. It's mimicking that's traditional true. publishing. They had they have to fit a particular mold mm-hmm. in order to get it picked up yes. and for something to purchase it. In this case, Hulu purchased it. Why? Because Hulu thought that it would hit enough of a general audience yeah. to make the thing sell it exactly. So that's gonna that's gonna create a documentary like this. Yes. Who is ready to take a risk? Who might who might mm-hmm. take a risk right now? That enough people are gonna be interested on a broad platform in monster fucking erotica authorship. Right. Yeah. Right. Or even just like, let's be totally honest, we just passed through Pride Month. Um all these companies like, you know, rainbow wash everything, but then they're not willing to actually put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. It's in, and, and who knows what the audience ship for that thing might or might not be, right? You, part of the joy of what we do on this podcast, we're able to jump into all of these really specific niche genres and subgenres. Um, because it's out there and people are able to take the risk themselves and make a little cash off of it. But the reality of the views or clicks or whatever on those books, it might be that there are only a few thousand people who are mm-hmm. interested in this specific subgenre of writing right. enough to go and engage with it. But I think I that the, the proof of that there there is money in those subjects is that all these corporate, you know, capitalist com- companies are rainbow washing. Like that's the evidence that there's money to be found in yep. rainbow washing all of your products, all of your services, all and of your companies. And certainly for an LGBT focused documentary, yeah. I think that would be true. There's money there and they know it. And that's the only reason they are pro LGBTQA. Like that's the only well, reason. Well, they would rather get their money yeah. than rather they spend the money. So, But yeah. But and going back to the documentary itself though, I also wonder in effect that this was published or not published released in 2020 but when was it filmed when was it filmed yeah uh honestly uh 
erotica only at the time, mostly. So if it was like Fifty Shades of Grey, like around that, after that time, people were only talking about like normal standard romances that were like Dom and Sub. Like those are the only things that were really And these are, these are also market. 50-year-olds that are yes. producing these um, erotic, erotic novel, yes. novels. And in my field, I'm very much arguing that we are still fighting through you know, being able to self-identify sexually, right? There's still that, that shame associated with it. And so everyone is still not necessarily willing to discover themselves and to experiment. Mm -hmm. Because it can be scary to Mm -hmm. figure out that you are not, you know, the vanilla, straight, white, cis, whatever. Exactly. Well, you're just different. Or you, like, the thing is, like, with sex, it's very shameful. And like, well, honestly, it really is. You have to feel very, very comfortable to talk about it if, Mm-hmm. Uh, to feel truly comfortable, express a thought towards sex. You can be in a relationship of multiple, multiple years and have expression of like, actually, this is, I really don't like this. Actually, I've never come. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you don't want to like, you don't want the other person to feel bad about that. You don't yeah. want the, mm-hmm. you know, like. You don't want to be judged either. There's a part judged. of like, I, I want to be accepted. And yes. sometimes being different or or you know, being more diverse feels like you will not be accepted. Yeah. It's not too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a communication in sex is not because let's be honest, like the for sex, when you first meet someone, it is not much communication. They're like the most you probably get is like, you want to have sex? Yeah. And then it's like, blah, blah, blah. You get into sex, but you're not talking about, you're not going into like, so what things are, are you interested in? Or whatever, like not the negotiating. Was, yeah, oh, but I meant like I, I don't guess know. in a first relationship. Allosexuals, please tell. Look, <laughs> boundaries are important to discuss. Communication is really important. <laughs> if you, because that's also a first like, red flag. If you're setting boundaries for the sex that's about to happen, and they are not willing to meet those boundaries, boom, we're not having sex. Okay, okay. Also, I guess like, I was, sorry. I guess my because my last like what is it it's been like eight years since i've been like in yeah. any other type mm-hmm. of relationship yeah. where right. i had to meet new people so and I that was true for me when i was yeah. younger that's what i'm saying well. like when i'm like 20 like early 20s not even like yeah yeah like early yeah. Early, early 20s teens you're not doing too baby. much communication yeah. like you can't you still can't haven't learned yet you still can't communicate with your parents let's yeah. be honest yeah. <laughs> you don't have can the we, language can we now communicate with yeah, our right. parents oh god <laughs> no no absolutely not <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, ladies. Yeah. Well, and you know, not you bring it up, not only is it hard to kind of learn the language in your like romantic relationships, but also with your friend groups. I mean, it's it's not that common still to have friend groups like this. Oh, we yeah. just sit around and openly talk about our kinks and mm-hmm. like our interests and yeah. what we're actually attracted to. And what, what we actually not. think about a sex yeah. and like, yeah. That's- well, I mean, the mechanics of what's happening in our bodies so that we yes. can compare notes about mm-hmm. like, yeah. hey, like what's going on with your boobs this week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please grab my boobs. Yeah, yeah. please. Please <laughs> let me know. Yeah. They feel different. Can you confirm? <laughs> <laughs> can you please help a friend out? And it's not sexual, but it is honest about yes. sexuality. Yes. And that's a huge step for a lot of friendship groups. I don't even know how we got here. As a group, that's a good. Point. Well, we covered this in the Ice Planet episode. It it literally was T reading one of these smut 
fiction just, yeah. books and going, oh my God, y'all have yeah. to read this. I, yeah, honestly, I think honestly reading those romance novels have helped a little, uh, quite a bit because we didn't really talk too much about sex. Because right. It was all kind of an individual pursuit until we decided, hey, we should all read the same book. At least mm-hmm. as a group, we yeah. never really talked that much about you sex. You know what? It was the sex party. Not the, not actual sex, but <laughs> the, <laughs> sex <laughs> toys. Yes. Those little pure romance parties. Yes. That yes, was good. We at least for you and yes, I, Mila. You and I mm-hmm. went to the pure romance party, which, you know, they're an yeah. okay company. It wasn't in invited you're welcome to come <laughs> no, you weren't you weren't in, you didn't live you here didn't, yet oh, you that's right, right. This was I, wasn't pre- I didn't even know you like that no. <laughs> I, didn't even, oh. I didn't even know you <laughs> no i met you first you came and visited Drama. me in like 2018 no, no 2017 no. you came to la but i thought we had that sex toy party before that no no. no this was just like a couple years ago. Three, 2018, 2019. Yeah. yeah. I took you to that. Yes. And then you, they, you, they pass out all the toys and you, we kind of get to talk about what we prefer. Right. And Wait, did you go oh, to that's the one right. that I didn't go to the one with you? No, you didn't. I went to the one with my uh, sister-in-law. That's who yes. I was with. Okay, that's right. There we I go. Make so we've been to different. So I went to my sister-in-law. I would say I feel really left out because of all people. I need to be at a sex toy party and y'all have not been there for me. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I feel they, unsupported. They've been trying to schedule a new sex toy party okay, for several months. Why now. am I not already aware of this? Okay, well now you're aware. Look, you open look, invitation to the next on. sex toy party. Okay, so anyway, the point is, <laughs> anyway, at some point we started talking about Norm- sex. Normalize inviting your best friends to a sex toy party. Yes. Normalize talking about sex with your best friends yes. because you actually learn shit. And sometimes yes. it's not even sexual. Like it's no, okay to talk about it. communication. So yes. talking about like. Me and Jules is like relationship. I've obviously I've known Jules for a very, 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 very long time. Like we've talked about <laughs> sex, and I know you mentioned things about sex, and I did not understand. The yes, things because you were they saying. would be like, yeah, you know, in college, yeah, we've been having sex for like an hour, and I was like, why? It's so much fun. Oh, man, and I would never just... say anything. I literally was just like, why would you have sex for an hour? Oh, <laughs> Lord! Like, and you're like, me out. <laughs> why am I? Why am I so different from other people? And it wasn't that. I just really was just like, I don't. I don't understand. Like, yeah. I was just in my brain trying yes. to compute. I would not make any comments because I literally, you, most of the time when people think I'm judging, it's not. It's literally I'm trying to compute and understand of like, what? It's processing. It's yes. processing. <laughs> I was like, I don't, is that what people That does do? not click for me. That doesn't click yeah. for me. And then luckily when we started talking mm-hmm. about it more, and then I was like, oh, and the one thing too, when I was a lot younger, when I was in high school, I thought I was asexual. But I also didn't yeah. think I was asexual because I was like, well, no, I'm still interested in people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. That's the hard part. It, there's so, it's so complicated to unwind those emotions about like, how do I really feel about this? And there's that too. And then, yeah. Yeah. That was the day. But like, and then like, as like, I got honestly, uh, you were the one that like sent that thing on a whim, just like what asexual or like, just, Sexuality spectrum. Spectrum. We Mm -hmm. did start with that. That was Mila. It wasn't me. That was you. That was me. I was sexuality. I was already finding all that stuff, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is really helpful." Yeah, yeah. You sent me one, and the first thing was talking about. Uh, egosexual and it was talking about cereal books. Yes. And it was like, <laughs> you love reading the cereal box. You love looking in the cereal box. You pour that guy to the and you're like, no, I'm fine not eating it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I remember you can look at the cereal laid out in front of you, you know, on the table and you're, and you're like, like yeah. yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. Okay. It's We're on like good. never ending cereal bowl. Like it never stops being filled. It's never a question that this you're is always not a part of the day. Cereal. Like we are always, it's, it's not about always on the menu. It's like yeah. right there in front of me and I'm eating if it. If cereal was right offered to me, 
I would absolutely take yeah, that seriously. Yeah, that was a good metaphor for like, oh, yeah. Yeah, life that's is how a, I life view... Life is a constant cereal party. Yeah. <laughs> Sausage party is what she means. You know what? You, you soak yourself in that cereal milk. So you enjoy yourself. I don't soak. Oh, my <laughs> God. He's not the priest. Try it. See what happens. It would be yeah. terrible. <laughs> Actually, treat it as like an exercise and like, it's so you know. Not. It would be the worst edging. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Might be very hot, but you know, it's fine. In my mind, so it sounds very she hot. She may like the denial. I'm going to suggest it. Okay. So we've gotten really, really off track oh, yeah, here. We have, we're not talking about the documentary anymore. Like, anyway. I don't know what happened. No, I think this is all good conversation. No, I'm kidding. Because, like, I'm kidding. Literally, so, it ties back to... Let's have more open conversations about this. Like, you don't Absolutely. have to force it on yes. your friend groups, but like, this is, I think, a very healthy and it's okay. experience. Yeah. 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 Let's not shame each other for having sexual desires and needs. Literally everyone, most everyone, <laughs> has them. Asexuals is just in a different way. It's in a, in a different, different context. Form. Yeah. It's in a different, like, And that is experience. okay. Yeah. And yeah. if we can talk about it with our friends in a safe space, then we can, you know, figure out like, oh, these are red flags actually in my life. Oh, yeah. this is normal the way that right. I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Women go through ebbs and flows in, you know, the sexual attraction that they're feeling. Yeah. And Hormonal if we cycles talk about it, that's that okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause men are a 24 hour cycle. Women are a 28 day cycle. Mm-hmm. And so that affects it. AFABs and AMABs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. AFABs and AMABs. <laughs> I mean, might as well. I don't actually know those terms. Assigned either. female at birth. I, oh, I was going to say period oh, havers. We could change yeah. the language a little bit to period havers I versus think, non-period havers. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, and the same is yeah. true. You have we, certain sets of people. Yeah. And yeah. Cyclically in different ways. And, and communicating and leaning into that can really... Show you create, that it's normal and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Some beautiful yeah. spaces for, for all kinds of things. Um, this has been a really great conversation. I, I feel, I feel like we can wrap it up by saying, go watch the documentary, have a watch party with your friends. It's a great dip your toes into kind of understanding the smut genre. It's really not that bad to watch in a group. Even if you're not on that level yet of honesty, perhaps with friends, I think it's not, it's not that bad. And if you're a documentarian, I suggest a mini series just on a (laughs) (laughs) Find someone who's going to publish the first one. I have someone here, um, maybe AJ that maybe wants to write a book. Maybe you can see her (laughs) journey as well. Yeah. (laughs) T actually also wants to write a book. Oh, T, you would do do that. I do. No, uh, I don't know if it's forthcoming. Look for forthcoming uh, plugs for our own members. Yeah, no, AJ's doing it. AJ's doing it as quickly as possible. AJ is doing it. AJ would really like to have erotica like out in the world Absolutely. before the end of the year i'm like, so proud of this character growth i'm this so is the narrative arc of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> aj accepting that maybe they do want to publish their erotica actually i just wanted to do this podcast so that i would then have a platform to oh advertise <laughs> so we've been how used. dare you <laughs> where's our money for this <laughs> we, we have been used <laughs> Listen, some of us like that. <laughs> oh, gosh. For use. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah. No, it, it, it was... Honestly, I did think this was a fun documentary. It's not perfect, but... No, it brings yeah. critiques. It's, yes. very, it's very short. It's just very cis. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, and that's true of a lot of things, right? Yes. Like, yeah. We always kind of come away from any text with the exception of 
What was the the Viking book? <laughs> We've been in like major the agreement one, one time yes. about how epic about and one fantastic scene. About one scene that had a little bit of diversity in the sexual partnerships, it and did. it was like, yes, finally, it had something for everyone. Yes, <laughs> particular scene did. Yes. At least everyone. In this no, group. I would. Uh, I, no, never mind. Never mind. I was going to say our most diverse book. I would honestly say would be Fertile, My Ex Boyfriend. Oh, one hundred percent. Yes, that was yes. the most yes. diverse book. It also was the most diverse of opinions yes. around the table celebrate monster fucking <laughs> so when we go into monsters plate no i'm going to keep this comment till later okay whenever we do okay. monsters plate or monster temptation book but yeah yeah because it had it been renamed and so that's been one of the problems with okay. yeah i read this monsters play thing before it turned to monsters temptation i'm curious if they change anything about the i book. think it was a publishing move and we can talk about it in the in yes. Yes. so, so what do we have coming later. up outside of monsters play thing well jules we have Next, hopefully, next, your suggestion of Court of Thorns and Roses. I have so many things to say. We're really excited about that one. I have a guest who's who's an author who's going to join us soon, uh, coming soon, hopefully this summer. Yeah, it's Um, like we know people or something. We're really excited to have her on. Uh, I'm spacing on the name of the book right now. And uh, and we'll plug that. Handle, we'll get we're going to get there. We'll plug that um, in the intro for. It wasn't her book. We're, we're going to be. Reading we're not going to read her book. No, we're no, going to no. read her pick yes. of the yes. book. Yes. Um, and it's going to be uh, more of the romance genre, actually, yeah. than than some of the typical smut. Yeah. Uh, at least Jules and I are going to cover the new Persuasion. Yes. Uh, a Netflix series coming soon in the next couple of weeks. So we're excited about that. Well, by the time this podcast gets released i don't know we may it may already be up now and we may have already <laughs> dropped that episode um and then uh, if no one reads forbidden desires i'm gonna force my friend uh who read it with me to <laughs> Wait, the, the, the same one read earlier but a different author right no 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 forbidden desires is the book that i started that was the other forbidden desires with the book we read as yes that's yes, what i was yes, saying yes, yeah. yeah but a different so, author yeah and then eventually i'm gonna get you guys to read another book i've been reading like 20 books at a time <laughs> i'm uh, so proud of you They're, the voracious <laughs> appetite it definitely is uh disconnected from your actual like sexual appetite and i want to definitely find something on omegaverse i've never read any <laughs> book about omegaverse and oh you God. know mila keeps bringing it up and so I just want to know a little bit. I don't think I'll like it. Okay. I want well, us to still read two different books. Like, I want yeah. to read, like, a, a, a gay Omegaverse and a straight Omegaverse. You mean the, the normal Omegaverse and straight Omegaverse? Yes. Yeah. That's maybe one too many Omegaverse for okay. me, but we're going to find out. I will say <laughs> the quote-unquote published world of Omegaverse is not true to the subject matter. So I'll just throw that out yeah. there. It, it's an evolved genre. <laughs> Don't just shame other people. I'm not shaming. <laughs> I am not You're shaming. questioning. No, it. I'm just saying. It didn't start out as so a I think, published I think genre. we want no. that, and I think we want a heavy female dom yes. book in the yes. future. Yes. Yes. Oh, we have so much. We, we, so we do. Great. We have a working list of we things do. that we want. It's hard to keep track of. I'm also super curious about the cozy romance genre, which is smut adjacent. But oh, so I soaking? Keep... No. Orc <laughs> brings a, a coffee shop coffee to a place that has never had coffee shops before. Oh, and love yeah. comes. I need to love read comes, this book. Huh? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have love. no idea how smutty okay. it is, but okay. I really need to read this book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know something about it. It's probably the coffee, let's be real, but it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. I just your first love. We'll see. We'll see if that one makes it to the list or if I just go. Oh no, no, we'll we'll get there. Don't oh, worry. Gosh. Just tell me what to read and I'll just read it. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're this is so fun. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, that's it for today. Cheers, ladies. Woo! Cheers. Drinks. Ah, uh, yeah, that was a good sound. <laughs> <laughs>